let's get into it. That was really good. That almost <laughs> seemed really natural. <laughs> Hi, uh, we're the Tough Gut Podcast. I've been thrown way off at the beginning of this episode, which I feel like I'm thrown off at the beginning of about 30% of our episodes. That's a pretty good estimate. Yeah, you know, we're in the third bracket. You know, that's that's not too bad. Yeah, that's we're doing all right. So hello and welcome back yeah, to the Tough Gut Podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What? (laughs) I'm Matthew. I'm Alex. And I'm Jake. (laughs) And this is episode 11, part three of our Nicolas Cage bracket. So, you know, we've been talking about Nicolas Cage for three episodes and, you know, (laughs) you're going to get this one and our final. Yeah. Are we getting tired of it yet? No. No. I love Cage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I feel a little bit like I'm in a cage. In this bracket, <laughs> but, you know, despite all your rage, we're still oh. talking about Nicolas Cage. Wow. But, um, Ooh. with that coming up in the first half of the episode here, we've got National Treasure. It's uh, still here. <laughs> going up against Adaptation, <laughs> wow. which would be really, really fun. And following that up in the second half of the episode, we've got Face Off, uh, the Absolute Insanity versus even more insanity, or maybe less if you're Alex. Mandy. <laughs> <sighs> we'll get into it, but I found someone who actually views that movie as just fine, by the way. Wow. Well, they didn't message us on social media, so they shame to me them. specifically, so uh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm sorry okay. about that. Your I circle is just so locked. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> in some circles, in some circles. Yeah, no, not, a, not sorry I don't go to the fucking opens that you do, the fucking <laughs> Phoenix Open, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, in terms of clout at the Phoenix Open, you know. <laughs> Shout out Phoenix <laughs> Open, uh, don't sponsor us. <laughs> That's my first official, don't sponsor us, please. And yeah, this is not going to be a white boy summer because it's still <laughs> COVID, so be responsible, everybody. Not even just that it's still COVID, it, please Let's just not have a, ever a white boy summer. I do not like. Isn't that like trending on Twitter? I feel like every yeah, time I go on Twitter, people Chet are talking Hanks. about white boy. I don't know. Is, who it really? that is. is that a thing? Yeah, it's. God. Wait, do you guys not know about white boy summer? Why? Do, I, I'm not like excited or anything. <laughs> it's Tom Hanks' son, Chet Hanks, posted a random video. And he was just like, guys, I don't know about you, but I got a feeling. It's about to be a white boy summer. Let me know if y'all can ride with that because I'm going to be ready. <laughs> this man what is 30 years mean? old. <laughs> yeah. And then he he posted a shirt that it was like vaguely no it wasn't even vaguely it was like racist font that's the best way I could describe oh, it racist Tom font. Hanks's son criticized for using racist font on merchandise oh my god yikes <laughs> yeah Wait, I have to find out what this font looks like yeah I want to look at the racist font too yeah it's papyrus <laughs> <laughs> ah I see. <laughs> I want to throw up, throw out there. <laughs> I want to throw up too. <laughs> I want to throw up because of this racist font. I want to throw out there, Jake. I want to call you a hypocrite because if you're voting solely on kajisms, the fact that papyrus was not <laughs> the more kajistic <laughs> font than whatever Mandy mm. used. Here's the thing, Alex. You forget one crucial fact about me. What movie do I hate? Avatar. Avatar. What font does it use? Papyrus. It uses papyrus. Fucking papyrus. So there are blue people in Avatar. If another movie has blue people, you're going to hate that movie? I fucking hate the Smurfs. You're right. (laughs) Hey, uh, spoiler warning for these movies. (laughs) It's five minutes in. We've just kind of been fucking around. (laughs) Wow. White Boy Summer really derailed us as it derailed the nation. But yeah, spoiler warning for these movies. We will be spoiling these movies. We'll be talking loads about them. I'm very, very sure. 
mad loads about all these killer films. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Because people die Whoa. in every single one of these movies, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it technically might be ambiguous in National Treasure. <laughs> that guy just falls down a cliff. <laughs> yeah, and they, they show a, like, a lengthened shot of him falling that's like six seconds long. <laughs> yeah, that dude's definitely definitely dead. Don't they also show a mm-hmm. war scene in the movie? No, that's National Treasure 2. National Treasure 2 is the assassination of Lincoln, my guy. <laughs> that's still someone dying. Yeah, but the war scene (laughs) being equated to... (laughs) In fact, it's the end of a war scene. It depends on how you look at it. Fuck you. History is subjective. Theater, drama, it's all war. That's right. I'm deep and philosophical. Yeah. Hire me, please. (laughs) I I just want to let out, uh, in case you haven't watched these films yet, which I don't know if you, you know, why you're watching the third episode, but if you want to watch long... Watch the show without watching the movies if you want to. (laughs) Okay, fine. One of us has to be combative against our audience, okay? And if it has to be me, it has to be me. I disagree. I think we should love our audience. Sensually. Oh. Oh. Sensorily. (laughs) We should love our audience's senses. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to let out a little content warning for uh, adaptation that does a heavy depiction of car accident and also for face off that has uh, depictions of sexual harassment and assault in it. And Mandy, which gets very, very, very violent. Chainsaw fight. Chainsaw fight. I mean, that's that's probably the most tame, honestly. There's a lot of blood. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. You can just (laughs) cut me saying chainsaw fight out. There's a lot of blood and gore. I don't know. I don't think I mean, I guess Mandy's pretty violent. I don't know. A guy gets his head crushed with someone's hands. Yeah, that part's bad. And then the bikers are really bad. Like that whole section is pretty bad. Yeah. Like the rest of it, I don't think is. I mean, I guess the burning a person alive. Is pretty yeah, but bad. if they've seen the wicker man, they're fine. <laughs> Let's get into these. <laughs> All right. National Treasure. You know it. You love it. It's Nicolas Cage and some other people. And he steals the Declaration of Independence to try and find some treasure and save his family name. Directed by John Turtletaub. Released in 2004. It's here. It's a strong contender, I think. I'm coming in strong this time. Because it is going up against adaptation. Jake, take it away. Hey, I mean, adaptation. You know it. You love it. It's not national treasure. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, 2002, Spike Jones. It's about Nicolas Cage playing real-life screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, exploring a meta-narrative in screenwriting as a process as Charlie tries to adopt the orchid thief and a gr- get a grip on his own life. He also plays his own brother, not a real person, but does have... An Oscar nom, so fuck me, am I right? Yeah. You know what? I'm not afraid to say it. Fuck you, Jake. (laughs) Because I truly think your picks, two of the movies that moved on to the semifinals, completely go against your self-prescribed vote criteria of kajisms. I think adaptation has far fewer kajisms in it than Vampire Kiss has, and it is a travesty that it is here. And I think it speaks to the fact that I am the the good, good vanilla boy, and you two are cinephiles picking your pretentious, artsy movies, and mm-hmm. it makes me furious. So are you saying Vampire's Kiss isn't an artsy movie? <laughs> um, it is, but it's I art. think, but like, the way that... Why are we talking about Vampire's Kiss? (laughs) All right, guys, it's Vampire's Kiss versus National Treasure. I'm I'm twisting the narrative. In terms of comparing the two, (laughs) Vampire's Kiss is super, super fun. Nicolas Cage turning into a vampire versus Nicolas Cage 
genius American history guy. I like the one with the vampire. All right, it's moving on. We have our finals. <laughs> Coming out of left field, we have Ghost Rider in the finals. <laughs> We should do that. We should do that one. Just to test if, if people are actually listening to this podcast at this point, we should just... Are they keeping track of the bracket? <laughs> of what, what movies are actually featured? Well, based on the statistics, a decent number of you are not finishing every episode, and I'm very disappointed in them. Would never be <laughs> abrasive against our audience. Okay, okay, we need to focus because <laughs> there's probably like four minutes of viable content in, in this recording. I'm going to use all of it. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Get us started, Matthew. Compare them. Compare them. <laughs> so what's at the heart of this bracket? Nicolas Cage. True. These two movies obviously both have Nicolas Cage in them. They both have a lot of cage. And I'm not just talking pure screen time because obviously adaptation is two cages. So you got to multiply. So does face off. I mean, but that's the other side of the bracket. But you're right. <laughs> we are really, really going on tangents today, guys. Honestly, yeah, we should just spin a wheel, recreate this bracket. <laughs> Start it over. Genius idea. All four movies are in the finals right now. One conversation. This is the end of the bracket. I am so thrown off of where my point was going. You had a point? Yes. <laughs> wow. It's almost like, you know, one of us could help bail you out and talk about something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. We could. Certainly. But you won't. But you won't. OK, so I guess I'm just going <laughs> to create a new point on the fly in terms of adaptation versus national treasure. You know, sort of something that we touched on in the first episode of The Bracket. Obsession plays a very large role in both of these stories. Yeah. And in both cases, not just for Nicolas Cage, um, for many characters in the story, which I think is, you know, obviously an inter interesting high level parallel between the two. Other than noticing it, I don't know if there's a lot you can say about it. <laughs> You've done this to me. You forced me into this position. <laughs> because adaptations like on here um, and talking about screenwriting and how to craft a story and such. And something I noticed in <laughs> National Treasure was the whole like, they do that fake out fake treasure shit like four times at the end <laughs> of this movie. They're just like, the treasure's here. No, the treasure's here. Actually, the treasure's at the thing or whatever. And I'm just wondering if we're going, you know, using Nicolas Cage's Charlie Kaufman, but I guess also he wrote it, his, you know, how to end a story. How do we think, you know, these stories like Ed, does, do, does it just do the whole, does National Treasure do the whole just give them a good ending because I don't know if it gives like the best ending. I think it just gives a fake out, fake out, fake out, fake out. I totally disagree with that. I think the moment where they're like suddenly rich as hell and have like an awesome house and cool cars and they're just like, hey, we found the treasure and that other guy went to jail and we're cool now is such like a feel good ending. It makes my heart race. If Donald Kaufman had written National Treasure, its ending would stay the same. Like, yeah, it's a yeah, Donald for ending. Sure. It's, a, you know? it's definitely a Donald Donald ending. How do you think it would have ended if Charlie Kaufman wrote it? More masturbation, right? <laughs> That's where my mind was going. It was going to be a circle jerk in the in the tomb. It's like, what else would they do? You know? Yeah, they found there, the treasure. There wouldn't have been a second stairway out. You know, <laughs> they have to find the treasure in themselves all along. And by that, I mean the cum. Now you're That's just sounding like, like, a, like a Stephen King novel. 
Oh, no, no. Yeah, they have to find their way out. So they have to. Oh, no. What's up with you, Stephen King? Lots and lots of recreational drug use and very little oversight from his editor. That's what's <laughs> up with Stephen King. I thought you were talking about National Treasure. I was like, uh. You watched the wrong movie, Matt. <laughs> to write this movie, though, I mean... I think both of these take a really clever person to write these movies. I honestly couldn't do this history bullshit treasure map shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Most of it is just conspiratorial history. I still couldn't write this movie. I couldn't write either of these movies. Actually, I could write part of Adaptation, I think. All the jerk-off scenes. (laughs) I could write every single jerk-off scene in Adaptation. And, you know, maybe some flowers. After living with you for two years, Jake, back in the day, I think you probably did write them. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) hey Looks like Jake hates us seeing himself in this movie. Got him. Whereas I, the non- non-writer were you just gonna say the non-masturbator what were you gonna say there (laughs) no the not i was gonna say screenwriter but i didn't want to call both of you screenwriters because i don't know if both of you uh, want to screenwrite specifically you know so i think between adaptation and national treasure something i think is really fascinating is the types of characters that Nicolas Cage is playing in both of these films. Yeah. Because obviously they are wildly, wildly different people. Speaking more specifically of Charlie Kaufman compared to Ben Gates. Ben Gates, who is this like super confident, big genius guy who just has such a large brain (laughs) and can solve all the problems. Whereas Charlie Kaufman, by comparison, is this true self-loathing creature. Mm -hmm. I think one, some of it speaks to the range of Cage as an actor, but more specifically, one of the things I want to focus in on is just we also then get to see Cage playing Donald Kaufman, who is a bit more of that like self-confident character we see in Ben Gates, which I think is kind of interesting, just kind of the demonstration of range uh, that we see with Cage. Something I really thought about when watching these movies and like really diving into Nick Cage again, because like I've seen a lot of these, well, I've seen all these movies, but I haven't watched them in su- succession like this. Like, I don't think anyone's bid Nick Cage like this, you know what I mean? In a long time, probably. And it's just kind of wild to me, his resume. I made a couple of friends watch Vampire's Kiss with me over again. And they're like, how (laughs) did this man go from this to National Treasure? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. on top of that, like with Adaptation, Adaptation was 2002. National Treasure was 2004. So like this was a pretty recent gap. Yeah. He did this in between. Do like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like that's it's just interesting how Nicolas Cage, one, keeps getting these roles. And two was like Disney was like. They saw adaptation. They saw everything he did for the film and to himself. And they're like, that's our Disney lead. You know? <laughs> I mean, he he was, you know, he's a leading man. Is he? If he can masturbate to a book, he can masturbate to patriotism. I think comparing the characters, like Matt brought up earlier, they both have this obsession. I think Ben Gates's obsession, though, is... National Treasure does like this funny thing where you're supposed to recognize that he's obsessed with it, but then you're also supposed to be rooting for him of like he was validated in the end because the treasure was real. And they never really go into, well, 
what if the treasure wasn't real? Which I guess they do kind of... Actually, you know what? I take that back. They do address that because the fake puzzle room or the the like fake treasure room. So, you know, never mind. I was going to say National Treasure has one fault. I disagree. It has no fault. It's a perfect movie. (laughs) It has no fault. (laughs) It would be a worse movie in my opinion. (laughs) It would be a worse movie if it didn't do the fake out with the treasure room. I still think the fake out's ridiculous because they do it like four fucking times. It's like, come on, guys. Well, once is to send away Sean Bean. Yeah, one <laughs> one of the times is big brain to send away Sean Bean. One of yeah. the times is that way they're like, hey, you were obsessed. Are you good now? And he's like, yeah, I'm good now. And the third time is so they can get rich and have that cool ending with the cool house and cool car. I'm coming to a realization. And I don't know if you guys are going to agree or like it. Okay. But I think maybe I enjoy... National Treasure 2 more? Excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of things and really like themes or whatever and like adaptation and I'm just, no, these are all things that came up in Book of Secrets. National Treasure, you get the line, (laughs) the, the big line like 15 minutes in. It's big, it's spicy, it tells you what he's trying to do. He's gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. By comparison, in Book of Secrets, you don't get the line and I feel like it's like 45 minutes in, but we're going to kidnap the president in the United States. Like it takes a while to get there, you know, for them to determine they've got to kidnap him. They like spend a lot of time playing with desks. Yeah, they, they do. They do. But they also have this like really interesting theme of, you know, proving yourself in your family heritage and also just like proving yourself almost to yourself that I think. I think some of that comes up in the first national treasure. For sure like it that- does. But I think it's stronger in book of, i don't know i maybe i need to watch book of secrets again the conflict of why it's important to prove yourself is more important in national treasure too because in the first one it's more just about like justifying his family's history that like we didn't waste a bunch of time trying to find this treasure whereas in the second one it's like hey no we didn't conspire to kill lincoln we swear guys <laughs> so there's like higher stakes to failing like where if ben mm-hmm. gates fails he just like goes about a normal life and like gets a job as probably a professor or something. Well, um, I, mean, I don't know what he does other than hunt treasure. Whereas in the second <laughs> one, if you fail, it's like, oh, you're the guys that are related to the people well, that no, assassinated if he Abraham for the first Lincoln. One, he's going to federal prison because he stole the Declaration of Independence. Well, well I was that thinking was after, failed before like, that. That, was, that oh. was the stakes after like it already started, you know? Was, like if he had given up before like the movie. It was into the movie, right? Because he decided he was going to do it. Yeah, but he, he you, I can say I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence and not go to federal prison just for saying that it's if i actually steal it or try to steal it go in go in everybody go in we got (laughs) him what a different movie national treasure would be if it was adaptation and it was i'm gonna steal the declaration of independence and then the whole movie is him like being depressed (laughs) unable to steal the declaration of independence (laughs) see but i love that a meta-narrative version of national treasure where most of it is spent in the head of nicholas cage ben gates as he tries to figure out how to steal the declaration of independence and if it's even possible if he and not just if it's possible but if he can do it <laughs> wow Be guys so let's just mix these two uh, movies together and put them in the final how about that fan edit national adaptation wow national lampoons adaptation nope, nope. let's not add that in <laughs> oh let's. yeah i forgot chevy chase is really racist <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't yeah. forget <laughs> Well, I tend not to think much about Chevy Chase. Um, so That's crazy. <laughs> most I've thought about him in the past like five years was watching Community. Jake, to your point about liking National Treasure Book of Secrets more than National Treasure, I will say when I was trying to make the graphics 
for our social media posts. Probably 90% of the photos I found were from Book of Secrets. And I had to like specifically search for the first national treasure. And maybe that's because it was like early, earlier in the 2000s, like 2004, right? And yeah, 2004 and yeah, 2007. 2004 versus 2007. So like maybe there's just more of Book of Secrets right. online. Here's the thing. Uh, you could have just Googled Nicolas Cage bad jeans and you could have just posted that picture. <laughs> and like it would have been fine. I'm Googling Nicolas Cage bad jeans right now. And I want to see what comes up. <laughs> I'm going to describe this photo. It's Nicolas Cage. He's coming out of an airport. He's got it looks like a leather aviators jacket with a huge collar that looks like it's fur. He's wearing huge sunglasses and a small cowboy hat. And he's got a second pair of sunglasses dangling down from his collar. And he is wearing jeans tucked into leather boots. They're like a gray washed jeans and they're a little wrinkly. So why didn't we put that picture for National Treasure? <laughs> so I mentioned he's wearing like a small cowboy hat. He has a second cowboy hat in his hand. He is carrying a second cowboy hat. Two pairs of sunglasses, two cowboy Which hats. Is a subtle allusion to adaptation. <gasps> He's carrying one for Donald. And face off. Wow. Oh my God. And face off. <laughs> Holy. He's going to meet John Travolta right now. <laughs> so the two of them can wear sunglasses and cowboy hats together. <laughs> That's the sequel. They team up. <laughs> That's the secret, baby. I think that I'm ready to vote. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if I'm ready <laughs> mentally. <laughs> I feel like we talked about nothing for a half an hour. That's the power of Nicolas Cage, baby. <laughs> I am voting for National Treasure. Good pick, good pick. I don't know who's more middle here. I'm feeling pretty middle. Yeah, this one was tricky. I think I'm gonna go on my gut that I enjoy Book of Secrets more, so I voted Adaptation. Life works in mysterious ways. I'm a real talk with you guys. All right. Off the air. Hell yeah. We're not on public radio. We're nothing but hell yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Because on one level, I feel like we haven't properly talked about a lot of the well, things that make Adaptation great. But on the other level... <laughs> We've given it two shots now. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, all I'm going to say is that you can vote for Book of Secrets here. I will allow that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I am. <laughs> I, I'm very caught between these two. I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to go with it. It's the dark horse in this circumstance. Bring Ghost Rider on out. It's advancing to the <laughs> And not even Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, the second one. <laughs> Fuck it. Was Nick Cage in that one? Yeah, they he was, didn't in, just he was Ghost Rider. <laughs> I mean, they recast people in all sorts of things. But usually not the lead. Usually not Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't recast Nicolas Cage. Unless it's John Travolta, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can make a strong uh, thing just to put John Travolta in all of Nick Cage movies and Nick Cage in all of John Travolta's movies. <laughs> you imagine Nicolas Cage in Hairspray? Wow. <laughs> yeah, think about that, audience. It'd be pretty awesome. I really want to think about that. <laughs> we can talk more about them swapping places in the second half. As for what I'm voting for of these two movies... I'm going to give it to Adaptation. Woo! I'm giving it another <laughs> shot. <laughs> okay. This movie has so much to dig into, and I really, I'd like to dig into it. We just keep avoiding doing it. it it's all part of my ploy, all part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> to never talk about the movie until the finals. It's a great movie. I honestly don't think this is a bad pick, just because, like, Book of Secrets, guys. 
Yeah. <laughs> I have given it Vampire's Kiss. I have now laid at its feet National Treasure adaptation you must perform. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> I lay these at your feet, hoping for a better future. All right, let's get into the second half. I'm excited. Hey, <laughs> it's your boy, Mr. Introduction. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> i gotta introduce both of these so i'm gonna do it i could do it at the same time but that would be wild <laughs> okay no no here's how we do it you just you record one of them and then you record the other one and then jake in editing has to cut the words up so that way they yeah. just go back and forth face mandy off <laughs> directed but <laughs> Face Off, released in 1997, directed by John Woo. As you guys know, John Travolta, Nick Cage, they switch faces. They play a terrorist and a counter-terrorist. It's a lot like Counter-Strike. That's for (laughs) all the gamers out there. Yeah, I think you exposed yourself, if anything, there. (laughs) I, I don't want to alienate the audience, um, so I got. I feel like yeah. Matt exposes himself in some way in every single episode. Wow! Imagine that out of context, <laughs> <laughs> guys. You can't see it on here, but Matthew exposes himself every episode. It's face-offs, tons of fun, lots of craziness ensues because their faces literally come off and switch. On the other side of the bracket, we've got Mandy, released in 2018, directed by Panos Cosmatos. I guess famed man hater. Yeah. Which, hey, more power to you, dude. Fuck, man. Super, super (laughs) weird movie. Yeah, no white boy summers, okay? (laughs) Mandy's a wild, very strange movie. You know, it's like a trippy art house movie with all that visual and auditory goodness to just bite into. To summarize the plot in a sentence, Nick Cage loves Mandy. Mandy gets kidnapped by a cult and she gets killed. And then he goes on a streak of vengeance against some permanently acid tripping thuggish bikers. Congratulations, Matthew. You did it. Thank you. Thank you. And that one was off script. I I mean, I was looking at the notes from what I wrote pre- where last week okay. about these All two. Right. You don't have to reveal that to them. You could have just been like, that was off script. I would I would have given it to you. Sure, but they could also just compare it to what I... Okay, we need to be productive for the first time on this episode. <laughs> Again, talking about male rage and like kind of like masculinity in these movies, I think is something that's very interesting in comparison with Mandy's obvious hatred of men and what it means, the male rage and entitlement. But face-off is this like what it means to be a father and a male role model kind of a deal. I don't want to say it's a macho movie because it's like so fucking ridiculous but it's a macho movie right it's definitely a macho movie yeah especially as you compare how sean archer and caster troy what it means to embody those men and like what values they represent as people as like sean archer becoming the terrorist caster troy has to like understand the bravado and machismo that's expected in the criminal world but he's a man with morals and values Yeah, it's also interesting in terms when you like throw into the ring, because obviously Castor Troy and Sean Archer have these sort of like archetypal male personas in different ways. Sure. And then like throwing red from Mandy Mm -hmm. in and like, what does he represent as a man? I think is an interesting equation because you do see some of this like male rage in him, but you also see that there is this like very quiet existence to him in a lot of ways. It's the stereotype of like the brooding man, like the lumberjack brooding man to, you know, I think it plays into the styles and the way that the movies are, are shot in many ways. Like Mandy takes its time with its shots and has so many just like long, I guess, peaceful shots in that first half where you just 
And even in the second half, really long shots and where you just kind of like sit in it and you like feel the existence versus face off is so quick. It's so snappy the way I think it's interesting because in face off, you get these two versions of men, right? You have the father who works hard, but you see the the problems that that side of a man has versus Castor Troy, who womanizer, all that stuff. I don't know where I'm going with this point. A different point that I wanted to make was how in Face Off, I just realized this talking about the movies now, how they mirror each other, the characters mirror each other even better because Sean Archer lost his son and Castor Troy doesn't know he has a son. Yeah. And it's like, those are the opposite things. Like, what? And they also literally mirror each other, you know? Yeah, they, they do literally mirror each other in a scene. I don't know. I just think it's really interesting without getting like too like filmy essay, but like even like talking about male gaze in, in these movies. Oh, for sure. Oh, that's actually a really fascinating point. Sorry to cut you off, Jake, but like no, you saying it. from the like filmmaking from the perspective of the male gaze, mm-hmm. because it's definitely something you get when we're when we are caster troy we get this male gaze of film like we get shots of women's asses and like we approach femininity and women with a very different lens on the camera i didn't even know yeah it's something i obviously noticed when watching the movie but like i didn't put two and two together that like they are representing each of these characters differently in how they frame people around them and how the movies are actually filmed. That's really interesting. I think Face Off is a surprisingly complex, like thoughtful movie when you look at it and you're like, oh, this is two guys who swap faces and shoot guns (laughs) at each other. Like it is, it's got some pretty deep themes and motifs. Dude, but it's also so fucking stupid. (laughs) Did you notice the motif where they wipe their faces and it's supposed to be like I love you and it doesn't matter what your face is like. They're also like obsessed with each other. I The sexual tension between John Travolta and Nicolas Cage in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so much. Like I almost think that Castle Troy's like kind of making up for it by being so over the top with women and such and he really just wants to like fuck John Travolta's brains out. <laughs> what a scene that would be. Release the call me by your name cut. <laughs> this stuck out to me watching the movie how disheveled and kind of gross John Travolta looks at the beginning of the movie before Nicolas Cage steals his face like he's got like stubble you can see he's got like grungy stuff in his eyes because he hasn't washed his face recently I noticeably was like oh yeah John Travolta looks bad in this movie and then Nicolas Cage steals his face and he's like ooh, that's a handsome man it's pretty funny like how quickly it changed meanwhile Nicolas Cage covered in blood and with his face, you know? The end of Mandy? What's that mean? That vengeance is not necessarily the answer, that it may not bring you absolution, it may not bring you fulfillment, as what you truly wanted has been stolen from you irreversibly. When Mandy's covered in blood, I think they did that because it looks cool in the purple-orange lighting. I don't think you that's... You might be right. You know, I mean, that might be... Po- I think, actually, they had that in script and then the lighting came afterwards, but... <laughs> I trust you because you're the movie guy and I'm not the movie guy. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. Something also related to the blood is I really, when these two movies were going up against each other, I was like, wait, holy shit. We see two bloody Nick Cage faces, but unfortunately they don't have the balls to show up close, like a lingering shot of Nick Cage with his face off. But they do show it. Yeah, they do show it. It's like a brief little cuts here and there. I just really wanted mm-hmm. to see it. And I was like, man, who had the better, bloodier face? And that's, you know, maybe my criteria going forward. Who knows? Better bloody face. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, something I think is really interesting, this isn't directly related to comparing these two, but something I wonder if is an intentional illusion. Obviously, this is probably too specific a circumstance to be like a direct illusion. But something I feel with Mandy is that despite not being associated with like metal, the genre of music at all, it has like these elements and illusions to metal mm-hmm. that I think is really fascinating. I think the the bikers very much come off as like a like a guar-esque metal band in a lot of ways, which brings me to the association I made in my brain when I started this comment that I was like, I wonder if that's intentional. It's not. I can guarantee this. But the burning of the cult church at the end in my brain, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's an allusion to the 1990s in Norway when the black metal bands were burning churches. Wow. Yeah. It's his name. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hieronymus? Nostradamus. It's Nostradamus. <laughs> okay. So I don't think it's an intentional allusion by any means, but I think the, the, the visual motifs make me think of that in Mandy, which I thought was kind of fun. I think there's probably some intentionality behind it. I mean, you know, filmmakers go through great lengths, especially in those kind of movies definitely think there's some truth to it especially when you start to consider some of those little animated sequences from mandy exactly. and like the title yeah. carding oh they're yeah. definitely like intentionally trying to invoke metal i thought that's where it. you were going with it yeah because those are super metal decent odds that the framing is maybe not like a direct reference to to burzum burning churches but like may very well be an illusion which i just think is really interesting because like the soundscape of mandy is very much not metal it has like a lot of psychedelic character to it Mm -hmm. which i just think is like really interesting when you compare the visuals the first half of the movie has the psychedelic sort of calmness that the visuals maintain Whereas the second half has like these motifs of metal and chaos and yeah, etc. But the soundtrack doesn't necessarily amp up to meet it like it meets it halfway. It doesn't go all the way into like I wonder if it's holding us from that like full like pleasure, though, like kind of like you were saying, like it's not ultimately satisfying or gratifying for sure. So they're not going to give us the full audio. These are not supposed to revel in the violence. Yeah. I wonder if Red is written in a way that he is actively against metal in a sense, because like the one point when he's fighting the biker gang and they rip his shirt, he keeps shouting, you rip my shirt! Which one I think is just a very funny reaction. But then (laughs) I feel like having ripped clothes is very metal, and for him to be like... No. I love how that <laughs> Why would you rip my you? shirt? The, that line specifically. That's so funny. Well, he doesn't me. say very much, so you know, gotta got find a few lines. Speaking of metal, something in Face Off that we haven't talked about that I just thought was such a fucking cool dynamic. I've ne- I don't think I've seen it before in a movie. Was the magnetic prison thing? Has that been a thing? Yeah. I really liked that. That was fun. Like I really liked that as like a prison, you know, like how are we keeping the prisoners, you know? I liked it. And mm-hmm. you get to see a demonstration of the Nick Cage version of Sean Archer's quick thinking. Yeah. With <laughs> trying to deduce a possible solution to his metal boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just thought that really was heavy. so creative. Like just a random, really cool, creative, fun thing. What I think Face Off does so well is that it very much is just your standard action movie, right? But then it it adds a layer onto everything that it's taking from all other action movies to to just bring them, I think, to another level. I like low-key think, <laughs> as you sort of said, that Face Off is much more than its surface level of just two guys that have their faces taken off. <laughs> in, in like a weird way, I feel like history should remember it better as far as action movies and go. Not that it's remembered poorly by any means, but I feel like it's not talked about enough. Because like, 
like, I don't think I've met anyone that's ever brought it up to me. <laughs> I think our generation probably hasn't seen a lot of it, but I think literally following a lot of people have. And on IMDb, it's the only film, you know how they have the known for section? It's the <laughs> only film out of all the ones we pick for the bracket that's in the for known for section, which I think is so interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that is. Oh, that like Nicolas Cage is known for face off. Yeah, and then it shows like usually the top four like talked about movies and such. Huh. Oh, what are what are his four movies? It's face off first and then leaving Las Vegas, The Rock and next was all super interesting. Yeah, I know. I leaving Las Vegas. I understand my phone is listening to us talk about Nick Cage because I keep getting ads (laughs) on my phone being like jujitsu is the next huge popular movie on Netflix. Okay, literally, (laughs) Alex, the fact that you say this is like a cursed memory to me. I also have gotten several ads about jujitsu recently, and I'm like, what? (laughs) Why? This was the movie that you that we all talked about being like, this movie sounds absolutely horrendous. And now my phone is telling me it's good. And I really I feel like it can't be good. I think it it cannot be good. It's the one where there's a guy, the guy is being chased through the jungle by aliens. And there's a secret organization of fighters or something that Nicolas Cage leads that fights the aliens or something (laughs) with martial arts. Uh, And if you want us to live react to this movie... tweeted us did you know Nicolas cage is a coppola i did i didn't know that i just straight up didn't know that and i feel like that explains how he got so many roles that's fucking (laughs) wild to me i didn't know yeah he's related to francis ford coppola what why do you think i shoehorned a nick cage bracket into this show friend oh my god that just blew that genuinely blew my mind i just didn't know that yeah. Jason Schwartzman is a Coppola? <laughs> That's wild. The lots of people are Coppolas, and they're very well oh, okay. ingrained in Oh, it's one of those Hollywood, Hollywood incestual, like, yeah, that's scary. It's the it's, it's Mickey Mouse and the Coppolas. I don't know if there's Coppolas. incest, but okay. Wait, did you just mention incest? That's so weird, Matthew. You said, Whoa. Okay, this is not the incest episode. <laughs> wild. Jake is about yeah. to cut out any mention of him talking about incest, and just like, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this is the incest episode out of <laughs> nowhere good luck recovering from this episode matthew hey nobody has harassed me on social media because of this show yet so i consider that a loss i'm working my way there (laughs) (laughs) i want twitter stands okay oh guys get matthew some twitter stands he he deserves it i'll I'll have my people tweet at you (laughs) i also don't tweet ever I don't use social media, so it'll fall just on deaf ears. Tweet, I want stands. And then <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, like the tough cut will uh, retweet it. Loki, that would be pretty funny. Actually, <laughs> I might. I might. Are you guys ready to vote? I guess this is kind of like a crazy matchup to me. I really do. I enjoy both these movies a lot. The horror genre is something that I really, really love and really like you could dive into Mandy and I'm so not used to action movies. I really don't know what I'm going to pick. I don't know either. I feel like I'm betraying myself no matter what I pick, because I mean, I'm yeah, these are both these are both movies that you you pitched us. Yeah, which means I feel close enough to both of them that I like them, like I wanted them here. (laughs) I think to be truthful, I am voting. Well, I mean, we all know how I vote. I vote for which movie I like more. But (laughs) Jake, you said you are voting for the Kajisms. I think one of these movies 
clearly has more kajisms in it. Mm. And I think if you're you're true to the way that you vote, oh, I already wrote down uh, my vote. vote for that one. You can you can't sway okay. me either way. I'm not trying to sway you. I'm trying to make you face the truth. Alex, did you you said what you voted for, right? I haven't said what I voted for yet, but I think it's pretty clear. I am voting for face off. Wow, <laughs> Matthew just fucking growled. I don't know. I don't know if I should say my vote or also put the cheddar goblin on me. I just don't know. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. He dated Uma Thurman for a little bit. No, this IMDb page says he was linked to Uma Thurman. So what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? I want to be linked to Uma Thurman. Like, what does that help you, Matthew? I hope me talking about Uma Thurman helped you. What's your heart telling you? Tell us, Big Daddy. I can't vote for Ghost Rider on this one. Ghost Rider (laughs) came through on the top half. Want to stress, you still can vote for Book of Secrets. Please. Uh, Sorry, Jake. I voted for Ghost Rider. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to (laughs) vote. Okay, do it. (laughs) Do it, coward. Pursuant to what I believe to be a better Nick Cage performance, Nick Cage film, maybe not a better film, but better Nick Cage, I am going to vote for Face Off. And that is a three for Face Off. Because I am also voting for Face Off. And here's that's the thing. big. Yeah, that's big. That's pretty huge for this deep in the bracket of a very contentious little bracket, honestly. I had no idea what I was voting for for like any of these. I want to do a quick shout out because you guys won't know this because of the magic of editing. But y'all, we really care about what we're comparing and what we're voting for because Matthew genuinely took like <laughs> 30 minutes trying it to decide. It was not decide. that long. It was like 15. <laughs> okay, so 50 hours. <laughs> Audience, you guys missed five minutes of Matt going. <laughs> you miss him literally stripping naked, setting himself on fire, and being like, no! Exposing himself. Yeah, again. Oh my God. Take a child! <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we have a finale for Nick Cage. Yeah. We do. Going up next week, we have Adaptation going up against Face Off. The reason I am so excited for this matchup is because we get four Nicolas Cages going at it all together. I am so, so excited. Yeah, that's part of my like true excitement of this. I love Mandy. I mean, I, I like I said, love horror, love what it stands for. Uh, truly love the film. And like Matthew said, like I think Mandy's a better film, but also Face Off is so fucking fun. And if we're gonna have four Nicholas Cages, Cage Eye. Kajizzies. <laughs> if we're going to have four Kajizzies, man, oh man, is that going to be something special and fitting for a Nicolas Cage finale? It really is. It really is. And again, I, yeah, I think it's evident that I love Mandy so, so dearly. You know, it may not be my strict criteria, but Kajisms, they have some serious swinging powder, <laughs> uh, powder, power for what makes Nick <laughs> they Cage. They do. Nick they Cage. do come in powder form. Um, <laughs> Powdered Kajism. Do not consume them. <laughs> Do not consume them. You will likely die on the spot. (laughs) They are heavy, heavy kajisms. If you guys care about this stuff as much as we do, let us know on social media. DM us. Send us your honorable mentions, movies that have Nicolas Cage in them that you think we should put in the bracket. There are so many Nicolas Cage movies. He has to make them to pay off his ridiculous amounts of debt. (laughs) There are so many options we could have picked. Let us know what some of your favorites are, and we might talk about them on the show. Also, I'll say it. I haven't cleared this with y'all, but 
Let us know some of your favorite kajisms and we'll shout them out also on the show. I think that'd be very fun. If you just oh, yeah. have a moment that really stands out, we'll talk that about it. Great. Because that would be, be great. It's going to be a fun time. So yeah, let us know kajisms at Tough Cup Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, uh, all of the above. Let us know, guys. We release episodes every Monday. We're going to keep making content until you're tired of us. So until <laughs> that even point, then we're going to release more and more. <laughs> and like you making it for us. Yeah, be on, be on the lookout for for Nicolas Cage part 10. And that is the 10th bracket for Nicolas Cage movies. It's not a Nick Cage podcast. <laughs> oh my God, we're getting masturbatory just like cast. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> On that note, bye.